Welcome to the Health Edge. Nice to be with you. I am Mark Pettis and wanted to just briefly look at what has become a standard measure for all health encounters that uh, continues to be part of really our vital signs. And it's the measure of the body mass index. And the body mass index is a um, a calculation that looks at both the weight of that individual and the height of that individual, and it corrects the weight for the height. And you get a, a number as a consequence of that calculation. And generally, a, a BMI greater than 30 is considered um, obese. Uh, a, a BMI between 25 and 30 would be considered overweight, and a BMI less than 25 would be considered normal. So it's an easy calculation. You get the weight, you get the height. Often these are self-reported numbers. You uh, get the calculation and uh, all is great, right? If your BMI is 25 or less. There have been many flaws, in my view, with respect to body mass index. It was studied largely uh, on Caucasian adults. Uh, and so uh, we really don't know what a, a normal pattern of BMI might look like in other ethnic groups. Uh, we also know that BMI uh, can be very misleading a muscular, athletic, young person might have a, a high BMI and in fact be uh, completely metabolically normal. And the BMI has been considered important as a surrogate of metabolic health. Uh, and so a high BMI is often associated with metabolic syndrome insulin resistance or impaired fasting glucose, the glucose between 100 and 125, or a postprandial blood sugar that's that's elevated, you know, 140 to, to 180. Uh, and so you see the BMI used often as a surrogate for metabolic health. And so I was very glad to see a study published recently, which I would like to share with you here. And this is uh, a study that uh, was published recently in the uh, Journal of the American Medical Association, the JAMA Network. And it was a group of uh, researchers from Canada that used a very large database, uh, a UK database, that looked at over 300,000 adults and observed them over time, right? This is sort of a classic observational study. And what they did was to look at the health outcomes in relationship to the BMI of these individuals over several years. And this is essentially what they found. Um, when you compare the body mass index 
with another measure called the uh, you know waist to hip ratio, the WHR, which is done by measuring the waist circumference generally at the at the level right right below the uh, end of the rib cage. For many, that'll be around where the belly button is or a little bit slightly higher than the belly button. And then you compare that circumference, that measurement with a measure a little bit lower down that reflects your hip circumference. And the hip circumference is generally measured if, if you were to follow your hip bone, what we call your iliac crest, right? The very top of your pelvis, that would be approximately where your hips are. And so the waist to hip ratio uh, was also measured in this large cohort and followed over time. And what they found was and these are referred to as hazard ratios for all-cause mortality. So they looked at mortality, cardiovascular mortality, cancer mortality. This was all-cause mortality. And they compared the body mass index readings uh, with mortality and compared that with a waist-to-hip ratio. And what they found is depicted in these two graphs here. When you look at body mass index, indeed there is a, a correlation as one's BMI gets higher with all-cause mortality. This would be a two-time risk of mortality up to a five-time risk. And you see it's a, um, it's a correlation that uh, is a bit more weak. But even more interestingly, when your BMI gets down to less than 25, which we would consider normal, and it's where we encourage people to be moving toward, you tend to see this inverse relationship. You actually see an increase in all-cause mortality for a cohort of people whose BMI is lower. Now, why is that? Well, as we touched briefly on some of the caveats of body mass index, what we're really interested in clinically is body composition. What is the percent body fat relative to the weight of that individual? And if that percent body fat is increased, is it visceral fat around the midsection, which we know is much more metabolically disrupting? It's more inflammatory. It's associated with fatty liver. It's associated with insulin resistance. It's really a, a hallmark of cardiometabolic risk. Now, many people that have a lower BMI uh, tend to have less lean body mass. Uh, their weights uh, appear to be in a relatively normal range but they have a higher body fat percentage and they tend to have it around the midsection. It's what we call the skinny fat. Uh, people who are lean, often deconditioned, uh, not in very good shape, 
who are just carrying more belly fat around the midsection, yet not enough uh, that you would see a higher BMI. So this is a an important epidemiologic public health factor that should very much call into question the predictive value or the health value in general of the BMI. Now, when you contrast that to waist to hip ratio, one can see as your waist to hip ratio gets above about 0.9 to one, there's a much stronger linear correlation with all cause mortality. And when that waist to hip ratio, in fact, is lower, unlike what you see with BMI, that relationship continues. Um, so waist to hip ratio is a better surrogate for measuring abdominal fat, visceral fat. And this cohort study very much confirms the fact that we should completely be rethinking the value of BMI as a measure of health risk. Uh, and again, in this example, the waist to hip ratio is a much more accurate surrogate predicting risk both increased and diminished in a very linear and predictive way. Now, suggesting that that all healthcare facilities focus on this uh, is likely to be met with a little resistance because it's more involved. You've got to actually, you know, have a tape measure and you have to actually do the measurements. And even though these measurements only take a minute to do, sometimes you have to do them a few times and then average them out just to make sure you're getting consistent readings. Uh, so there's a little more effort involved on behalf of the clinician that is obtaining the waist-to-hip ratio readings. But I would suggest that every individual have a tape measure at home. And while following your weight may be important, weight is a little bit like BMI. A lot of people may be in a normal weight range, but but have a higher percentage body composition of body fat. So I highly recommend you consider a waist to hip ratio as your biomarker. This is an important biomarker. Your, your clinicians may not uh, have this data on you, but it's important that you have it yourself. And if your BMI is high, if you work out a lot, I, you know, I work out pretty regularly, you know, my BMI uh, would have me in an overweight range, yet I know that my waist-to-hip ratio runs about 0.9. A normal waist-to-hip ratio, as defined by you know the World Health Organization, would be 0.9 or less in a male, 0.85 or less in a female. Um, you know, I, I'm just looking at ballpark, and in general, you want it to be less than one. And lower, as we see from this relationship, appears to be much better. So in addition to other measures that you have for your cardiometabolic risk, like a fasting blood glucose, or even more importantly, a HOMA IR, this is a, a more accurate measure of insulin 
relative to your sugar level. Everyone should have a HOMA IR done. On your standard lipid profile, we talk a lot about this. I'm very interested in my triglyceride to HDL ratio. I want that less than two. Lower is better uh, without, without question. If you follow your hemoglobin A1Cs, you want that less than 5.7, 5.6 or less. Uh, and then your blood pressure. Definitely want that systolic pressure less than 130 and your diastolic, uh, you know, less than 80. Lower is better. And, and again, we know that the overwhelming majority of American adults and children uh, would not meet criteria for metabolic health. And because these metabolic, cardiometabolic risks are strongly predictive of not just all-cause mortality, but of a higher risk of chronic complex disease, be it heart disease, be it cancer, be it Alzheimer's, uh, be it, be it um, uh, stroke risk, um, et cetera. You know, this becomes a very uh, simple and easy test for anyone to continue to monitor. So, uh, that's just a brief um, look at what I think is an interesting observational study that, in my view, should seriously ch shift the way we think about the use of weight, BMI, and ultimately waist-to-hip ratio as a marker of good metabolic health. So I hope that was helpful. Uh, thank you for uh, listening to The Health Edge. Um, in our next podcast, I'm going to be looking at yet another study suggesting red meat to be uh, the worst thing ever for health and in this study for diabetes risk. Uh, you know, when it comes to red meat and the overpublished epidemiology of, of, of these associations, I I believe more confusion, and in some instances, more harm is created than benefit. So I'm going to look at that in a little more detail with our next podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Be well, stay well, and don't forget to love yourself.